I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The FBI has just sent a letter to Congress informing them that they have discovered new emails pertaining to the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's investigation. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Politix. Coming to you live, and by live I mean recorded live. I was alive when it was recorded. Um, this is pre-recorded. It's a podcast. That's how they work. I'm at the Hotel Marriott in beautiful Anaheim. Just one crazy Kiwi named Tim Bat bird-dogging his way around the United States, specifically the West Coast. And joining me, as always, my faithful companion from Florida, Jeb. Kindly introduce yourself. You know, it, it has been my privilege to be your Sherpa on this journey. And, uh, you know, I can only hope that in the future we can find an, another another quest for the both of us. One that is not as thoroughly beshitted and immiserating and, uh, you know, enervating uh, as this one. Hey, here's hoping. Dreams are free, aren't they? <laughs> um, I'm going to immediately mitigate your foul mood, Jeb. Um, I want to do like a good news report to really kick this thing off. And I'd also like to apologize for the uh, length of time between drinks, metaphorically speaking. Uh, turns out it's quite hard to keep um, your projects going when you are dotting yourself around the United States, doing a lot of travel. It ain't easy, Especially but, if you're not um, from thank here. Thank you for your understanding. Especially if you're not from here, because you know we are. I, I think we are uniquely violent people, and I, I feel like... We might have incidentally threatened you or made you feel like you need to exit the roadway. And, uh, do you know I'll, where I've felt the least? Do you know where I've felt the least safe so far, considering I've spent most of my time in LA? Was Portland, Oregon? No kidding. Just because, like, I was at, I was, I was downtown, and I was, to be honest, I was pretty high because it, it was Oregon. So yeah, you know, yeah. when in Rome, smoked the legal weed. But um, I'm not sure if I was uh, just getting a little bit sketchy and paranoid because of that. But it just, it, they really live by that credo of make Portland, keep Portland weird. Because there are a lot of people doing a lot of crazy shit and arguing with each other and a lot of police around. Things are really kicking off. Well, you, you, you like to think that that's the effect of having so much good local IPA. You know, they, they've just, you yeah. know, they, they had a nice afternoon and they've just sort of, uh, you know, migrated slowly into maybe an unpleasant evening and you got caught up in it they've really gone to town on it no. um jeb two little rays of sunshine to permeate which i'm sure is going to turn into a very sour and dark episode before <laughs> too long um i wanted to kick off by uh congratulating donald trump jr for being a real human being a real human being what a kind compliment for donald trump jr and uh, a real for helping hero. a woman was he yeah okay you're good okay i'll build on that i was expecting you to undercut me with cynicism but yes yes and in mesa arizona helping a woman in 100 degree heat push her car when it stalled and uh managed to get some bottles of water to make sure she'd be okay while the repair guy came that's a cool thing to do no god bless him i mean like 
it doesn't matter who you are. It is scary to drive in the desert. I, I, I had a, yeah. the first time I ever drove cross country, I was driving through Arizona and, you know, it was a relatively new car. Nothing was amiss with it. And then I just watched the temperature gauge go from, you know, that, that comfortable right in the middle that it always has. And then it just yeah. slammed to the right. And suddenly I, I turned the heater on and I opened all the windows and I was trying to blow air off the engine. And, you know, I was going oh, slower shit. and I just kept thinking like, please not here. <laughs> because it is terrifying to be in the middle. Like in this case, it was Death Valley, and you know, which has a has the name that sort of suggests a certain ominousness. It's and, right there on the tin. Yeah, all the clothes for your impending death are right there on the street sign. Yeah, they really. I mean, they, they, you know, the whole third act twist of the valley you're in is really just sort of given away. Uh, you know, at the yeah. start, and I, I like listen. I, you know, far be it for me to complain about the uh, the dramaturgy in the place, but. Like, I was scared shitless. So, you know, you know God bless him. Do I mean, you think that Donald Trump... Se- Wait, is Donald Trump Sr. Donald Trump Sr.? He's never referred to it. Donald J. Trump. Do you think he would he would uh, get out and help someone push their car? Absolutely not. He would have, I think he would have a very hefty man. I think he would have a very hefty uh, Jerseyan man with a, you know, probably a history of being having a nose broken. Just get out and do it. Yeah, I don't... I don't even think he would stop, though. That's the thing. Like, this is this um, interesting separation between uh, Donald J. Trump and his kids that's become apparent as they've been more and more in the media. I had no sense of who his kids were previously at all. But Ivanka has kind of come out as this really cool, um, self-made uh, businesswoman who has contributed kind of the <laughs> the only thing that liberals could gravitate towards whatsoever in the policy realm that Trump's put out um, with the uh, what is the it family the, leave ma- the family le- yeah I was going to say maternal leave because it, it only extends to the mother of the child if I remember correctly which got a bit of stick but hey considering it's a Trump policy off to the off to a, on a good start you know all things considered no, and credit it, where it's due yeah and of course i mean just welcome a, a bipartisan consensus consensus on this i mean obviously like the trump the trump juggernaut is going to spin out at some point and it's not going to have a, a staying power as a policy making engine but the fact that there has been this sort of interregnum in the madness with you know an in, in, in interregnum of its own madness where we have a, a bipartisan consensus on, you know, paid maternity leave. I, that's phenomenal, yeah. and it, it, we are so far behind everyone. <laughs> like, you, you always watch true, the, man. You you look at those charts, and it's like, well, you know, America, you get nothing, and then it's like Romania, you, you know, Romania, where where they have in just a, a disturbing. Actually, I think I think America and, and Romania have the same um, child mort- infant mortality, which is oh my also god. Like just, galling but you know romania is ahead of us in in you know sending moms home jesus that's depressing is it something to do with the fact because i always when these statistics come out and these little tidbits about um uh you know pay parental leave or holiday pay that kind of thing for americans is it the fact that north america is really like a continent because each state is like a little country unto itself and that they're supposed to be regulating workers rights and just that no one passed it on to the state legislature, that that was their duty and, and they should have got onto that a long time ago? Or what? Like, is, is, it, is it one of those things that kind of fell between the cracks because of the way that the United States works as a country, do you think? Absolutely. And, and you're, you're on the right track because, uh, it, it, you know, the, the, the old founders, you know, the founding fathers line was that the, the states will be the laboratory of democracy. So 
what you can do is when you have an initiative you, you want to push or an idea that you might want to push, you let the state try it out and see if they fail. Uh, and, right. and so that's why you have, you know, you, you've had skewed uh, healthcare regulations, you've had skewed, you know, and, and, and discontiguous uh, marriage regulations. Um, so you have that as a factor. And then there's just the general uh, attitude of like, if we pay for people to have kids, then, well, black people will just have kids and not do anything. You know, you, you can always, like, it, yeah, you yeah. can invariably look at a social program and ask, why does America not have it? And the answer is always, black people. <laughs> it's it's a bunch of people who, you know, reliable, uh, white, working and middle-class voters who went, no, you know, in, in spite of the yeah. fact that, like, you know, the plurality of people on welfare for the duration of the existence of welfare has been white people. You can still demonize welfare as going like, well, black people are using it. So that's a, that's a huge factor. And then, um, oh, shit, what was the other one I was going to go for? Um, I don't know. I'm just this is probably blank. a good time to fill in the blanks with Jeb's current mental condition as well. Uh, the, man, the man has not been sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I've been up for like, uh, shit, what is it? I've been up for 22 hours. Oh, okay, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And the I, other good piece of news as well, Jeb, sorry to cut you off. Sure, what, was yeah, it important? Please. No, 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 please, please. The Mike Pence plane crash uh, where apparently the uh, vice presidential nominee, first thing he did, went back, checked everyone was okay, and luckily they were. But I tell you what, that Pence plane is having a little bit of an interesting time with its pilots because I think that the guy who crashed in what seems to be pretty fine conditions um, when he was landing, like a really rough landing, uh, is the guy who replaced another dude who was like, had an arrest warrant, but they couldn't find him for ages. No shit, I missed this. Go on, yeah. Oh, dude, this is... So um, Rachel Maddow's been covering this. By covering, it's actually only been, I think, on two shows. And I'm massively behind because I I usually keep... uh, somewhat on top of the cycle with all my, my podcasts and my readings and whatnot but i've but you're my, um you're, you're on a global tour work. you have you have an, an eminently reasonable excuse Thank you, you you've left oh, your gosh. homeland you have crossed the pacific you've come to california and oregon you've gone from portland to to san francisco to la and then i think you've gone back to la and yeah you know, that's and, right and it's a work trip too you know you're not just like fucking around you're not going well i'm i'm gonna go to portland and, and see uh i, I I'm, I'm gonna see if they can put you know, 160 pounds of hops into one bottle of, of IPA and then drink it and, and have a thoroughly unpleasant time. You've actually gone and done shows. So, you know... I'm going to take your excuse and run as far as I can with it. So thank you for that extension cord, Jeb. Um, yeah, but Mike Pence, another a human being, you know? A real-life human being. Well, you know, it's funny, like, I, I, I spoke to a couple people who have been on the Pence plane, who've actually been, been covering him as part of, uh, you know, their, their campaign coverage for oh, their yeah. outlets. And it, apparently, like, with both the, the pilots, they just have had this notorious habit of coming in hard. So they've yeah, had these yeah. really, really rough landings. And then uh, it wasn't an aberrant thing. Like, LaGuardia has really, really short uh, runways. And it's just, you know, it's a relic of being constructed at a different time. And having uh, different, uh, you know, jet demands. So it's sure. this, this confluence of like these guys come in hard, and then they came in hard on a really short runway, and then right. 
you know, they, they, they hit the, the, the mud that, that impedes the skidding. And then, of course, you, you, you watch the, uh, the right-wing memes that are like, well, you know, Democrat-built runway, it's not good at doing this. Like, no, no, it, <laughs> it actually saved you. Like, the, the, the thing that you, you're complaining about, like, that looks, like, dirty, that is literally why Mike Pence is still alive and so is everyone on the plane. So just... Don't, don't, don't play into that false narrative, Jeb. Let's not politicize the goddamn runway that people are using. Like, can't, can't we have some base level of infrastructure that we can all agree is, you know, functional and necessary and doesn't have to be colored either blue or red? You know, it used to be in this country that politics stopped at the runway. You know, that's, that's what we said. <laughs> and, uh... I mean, really, the Bush nice. administration, they, they, they turn that corner and, you know, or they open that door and, and who are we to forbid everyone else to uh, uh, to walk through it? <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, I think, let's take a really brief break here and this can be like the nice third of the podcast and uh, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to start slugging some of that famous short uh, runway LaGuardia mud at each other. You keen? Right on, let's do it. Everybody you got the WikiLeaks released a March 12th Podesta email showing you messaging the Clinton campaign with the exact wording of a question asked at the March 13th Kelly, CNN TV Kelly, One town hall debate. Kelly, Where did you get it? I, 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 you know, as a Christian woman, I understand persecution, but I will not sit here and be persecuted because your information is totally false. Welcome back to Politics, the podcast that pits a witless, flightless Kiwi against a bald eagle of a man. Uh, Jeb, you are the bald eagle in this metaphor, and I am the hapless Kiwi Timbat, coming to you from Anaheim in this episode. Um, we've done the nice bit, uh, and I know that this happened a long time ago in the general scheme of um, of the campaign. I just wanted to mention the Donna Brazil thing, uh, and don't worry, we will be talking about the FBI stuff real soon, real soon. Be sure um, but the Don, hey, uh, no, I just said be sure to be good. Is that what is that? Is that Yiddish or is that Arabic or? Uh, 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 Sorry, this is completely pointless. Uh, my, my father and my aunt and uncle uh, grew up in Dahran, Saudi Arabia. And uh, so uh, they, they were part of uh, uh, Aramco, the, the Ara- uh, Arabian-American oil company. So uh, my, my grandfather was a pilot, and he flew all the sheikhs and, and the, the members of the House of Saud around to, like, they would want to go play golf, so he would fly them to Turnberry, Scotland. Or they would want to shop, so he'd fly them to Paris so they could go to the... The Rue de Rivoli. So my, my dad grew up with uh, uh, like this sort of pidgin English uh, between Arabic and, and English. And so like, uh, you know, sort of like this this long uh, phrase that would end in inshallah became Bishur Bagat. Wow. Bishur what a fascinating Bagat. life he must have led. Yeah, no, like he used to, he used to, he built a dune buggy by hand and then he would drive his dune buggy through the Rubakali, which is just sand. It's just nothing. And Man, uh, that is so cool, which is like just the ballsiest thing I, I can imagine, because, you know, if something goes wrong with that thing, you're yeah. going to die out there. <laughs> oh, we were we were talking about the Death Valley. It's like that times a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Like and that was his fun. Like he, that's what he and his buddies did in, in between playing baseball. So, right. man, that's cool. Um, the Donna Brazil thing is Donna Brazil uh, is the and she still is. I think the interim DNC chair after Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, left, and she's a former CN, uh, CNN employee. Is that right? Was she an anchor on there or something? Well, she was. She was the uh, uh, campaign manager for uh, for Gore in two thousand. Ah, right. And then she did CNN after that. I take it, and then 
Anyway, there was a town hall debate um, with Bernie and Hillary in March, and it's come out through the Podesta email leaks that Donna Brazil managed to have the exact wording of one of the questions uh, that was at the town hall. Um, and she said in the email, from time to time, I get questions in advance. And then, lo and behold, uh, if you look at the tape, the question that was in that leaked Podesta email uh, from her was said verbatim uh, by the guy from TV1 who was moderating on the debate stage. And uh, Hillary Clinton obviously had a had an answer um, pre-rolled for that one. So I, it's been uh, weird because it seems like the, the, I've been a little bit out of the loop, as I mentioned. And as far as I can tell, it hasn't quite been resolved. Um, has there been anything juicy on this or anything that's kind of concluded it for you Jeb that you've seen pop up in the last few days because I just I've seen her flounder a lot with people like Megan Kelly trying to explain it well I mean they, they keep trying to bring it up to give it traction but th- this is one of those stories that just got blown out of the water by the story that Donald Trump likes to um, you know finger bang women without their consent uh, you know, so th- this was like a first debate story and it really, I mean, th- th- so much madness has happened in, you know, the aftermath. And I think also for a lot of pragmatic, you know, voters or news watchers, you know, they, they, they can just intuit that this happens, right? You know? Yeah, right, right. You know, so it's... You, you, I mean, like, Trump has Corey Lewandowski as a surrogate in CNN, and Lewandowski is flying on his plane and still mm-hmm. has, you know, an actual position within the organization on whatever their, their filing is, I can't remember what it is, right? But he's still, you know, he's allegedly independent. So I, I have no doubt that they got some idea of some of the questions that, that were going to be asked of, uh, of Donald Trump and mentioned it to him. And, you know, the advantage of not mentioning that they had some idea in advance is they can say, well, only the Democrats cheated. But, you know, everybody gets this stuff. You know, you, you bump into yeah, people. So- and, and, yeah, and, like, and more to the point, like, all of this stuff is really generic. Like, you know, if, if, if Clinton hadn't gotten the exact detail of that question, she probably already had a canned answer for it. So She like, probably did, yeah. It was know, about um, the death penalty, which she's got kind of a, a, a pretty nuanced position on. Um, pretty and someone had obviously really. flagged that it was going to be a bit problematic. Yeah, well, you remember that she's in her late 60s every now and then, right? And the, this is like one of those times. But so from your point of view, Jeb, um, could we kind of sum it up by saying like, even if it is the absolute worst case scenario, which it does seem to be, it's kind of like, this is this is obviously not ideal, but it's one of those things that happens. Um, is it is it illegal? I don't, I don't think there's any law against it because it's a, the, the debates are, are managed and, and uh, the, the questions are created by a private entity. So yeah, it's right, not like right. the U.S. government made the debate. So you're not sure. defrauding the government. Uh, and I really don't think there's, there's a whole lot of traction to this. I mean, so much has happened in the interim to take it away, uh, take yeah. away from it. Where you do see it and where it is getting pushed as an issue is really the, you know, the, the, the Breitbart and Dumber or the Breitbart and racister uh, 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 right-wing websites where, I mean, like, the, you know, the Washington, uh, not the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal is not banging this drum anymore, even though their editorial page is, you know, just to the left of Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, the hyper version of it would be James O'Keefe's videos that he's been putting out um, over the last couple of weeks oh, in several parts. fuck that, dude! Sorry, I'm... <laughs> Just, it, you know, it comes up. So this is, pro- what are they called again? Project Veritas? Project Veritas, which means truth. And, you know, fuck you. That doesn't mean, like, <laughs> you, 
you could not find a, a more like significant profanation of the idea of truth than like James O'Keefe's entire career, right? So he takes down Acorn by you know he 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 has these heavily edited videos and he releases in the mainstream media and he goes on CNN and Fox and everything dressed like a pimp, right? He's, you know, got the big feather in his hair and he's got like a big uh, fur coat and, you know, the, the colorful sunglasses. And at no point in the actual tapes when he was going and trying to hoodwink Acorn was he dressed like this. But he tried to give the impression that he did it like he was clearly this big white pimp going to do white slavery and Acorn helped him out. And then it turned out that, like, there, nothing happened. There was no there there. Like, he heavily edited his tapes, heavily, heavily edited his tapes, and all that Acorn did was, like, a couple of, you know, guys who were interviewing him kind of played along with his scenario. He's like, you know, well, I'm, I want to be a white slaver. And they went, oh, okay. But you know, what they, about this time, Jeb? What about well, these videos? Because but, but, Bob but, Kramer, but, Kramer wait, said to, I am not yeah, done. Okay. So the next okay. thing he did was he tried to break into Mary Landrieu's office in Louisiana. So he tries to break into the, the, the office of a senator of Louisiana, and he gets busted. He gets busted, and he, you know, he winds up uh, with a plea deal. Uh, so you know, the, the guy is a criminal. Oh, so when people keep saying that he's a criminal, that's the charge that they're referring to. That was yeah, the... He is literally a criminal. And, and, and actually, this is a completely, you know, like a side topic. But in 2012, uh, during the RNC, he was going to go to uh, come down to Tampa and get an award for, you know, fearlessness in right wing journalism and telling the truth or whatever. And my editor at the time, John Cook of Gawker, called James O'Keefe's probation officer and said, can James leave the state to go to Florida? And James O'Keefe's probation officer said, absolutely fucking not, and hung up and called James O'Keefe and said, you're not getting a fucking award. Stay in fucking New Jersey or wherever the fuck you are, right? Like, and, and, uh, so, you know, just, like, if nothing else, that dude yeah. got clowned by his own history and he deserves it. Because, like, he fucking, you know, like, he got busted breaking into a senator's office. At the same time, he was doing this, you know, this was the same time period where he was accused of sexual harassment by his own fucking partner in, in making these, like, ginned up, you know, like, heavily edited videos, so this this woman who went down to to Louisiana with him and 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 was you know like supposed to be his partner in crime like Robin to his Batman went you know motherfucker tried to assault me so she sued him I have no idea what happened in that case because that just sort of vanished and right. then you know like the next thing he did was he he went to NYU and tried to ambush a bunch of of professors like you know hey liberal moron whatever he got fucking blown apart in his own ambush like. Somebody, you know, he asked a question and, and I, I, there's a video of it. I, I, I can find like the link. But, you know, like some professor just listens to him and goes, you know, you're a fucking asshole. You're a clown. You don't know what you're talking about. And he just, just steamrolls the motherfucker in the middle of his own ambush. So was he trying to get some gotcha footage from some uh, some university professors? Yeah, you know, like pointy-headed liberals. They're part of the, the left-wing yeah. establishment. They don't know what's going on. And, like, you know, dude knew exactly what he was asking about. And then it gets worse. So this year, motherfucker sabotaged his own ambush again by, like, he called, you know, I, I can't, oh, fuck. It was in The New Yorker. It was a phenomenal article. It was really amusing. I think it was Jane Mayer, maybe, uh, wrote it, but... The, the dude, like, was, was trying to rat fuck somebody and called and left a voicemail and then didn't hang up and then set the phone down on a table and discussed oh his God. entire strategy for rat fucking this group on a voicemail. 
So he like the, the motherfucker punked himself. This is there, there was a line I can't remember who said. It, I think it was a uh, uh, John Dolan in in uh, the Exiled called him a way faced little shit like W H E Y way <laughs> right. And and he was he's the Acorn thing was completely abetted by the mainstream left media and yeah. by that that sort of like uh, you know sort of you know, center uh, center left con- consensus. Like he didn't kill them. He didn't kill Acorn. Lefties who panicked killed Acorn. Bad journalism. The New York Times did not print a retraction for years. I don't know if they ever have. Uh, of their completely inaccurate reporting on what Acorn was doing on those videotapes. They didn't investigate it. They got it wrong. They fucked it up. They fucked Acorn. It, last I checked, they didn't apologize. Like, th- this dude, like the only head on, on this dude's wall was hoisted up by somebody else after somebody else killed it. So, you know, now he's just this, this puling little, you know... How old is James O'Keefe? Because I thought he looked like he was sort of in his late 20s or something. But this seems to be quite an illustrious past of chicanery. No, I, I think he is in his late 20s. I, I know that I saw him many times in Cleveland at the, the RNC and so did my writing partner, um, uh, uh, Dan O'Sullivan. You know, we kept running in into him. 2012 in 2012 or this no, year? No, in, in July of this year. We kept right. running into him, and, and he was, uh, if not explicitly running buddies, uh, frequently in the crowd with a lot of um, Gamergate Nazis. Uh, these have guys you, who are shaped like Mr. Have, Potato Head and feel like women do not deserve rights, and neither do blacks or, or uh, Hispanics or Jews or really anyone except people shaped like Mr. Potato Head. Uh, who have, you, have you watched the, the latest batch of videos, or did you just not want to do it to yourself? Uh, which videos? Oh, the, the Veritas? Uh, the, the Project Veritas ones that are coming out at the moment. I watched one and then I, I just bailed because I mean, he, he's never had a video that has stood up to any independent scrutiny. They've right. always been, uh, you know, they've always been heavily edited and presented it with the, this disingenuous context. Yeah, you know, he just does like empty character assassination stuff. He goes and he asks questions until he gets the, the responses he want wants and edits them together to create a narrative that would never stand if you just actually pressed record and waited. Well, listen, man, I uh, hasten to qualify this by, of course, saying that you're the expert, but it seems like some shit is going down with these latest ones, and maybe he's getting better at this thing. Because Bob Kramer, who was this longtime Democratic advisor with Democracy Partners, I think he's had to resign off the back of these videos, which fit. There's, I think the fifth one's just come out today, and it's basically a lot. They've managed to um, have incredibly off-handed chats uh, recorded with secret hidden video cameras and sound recorders uh, with Bob Kramer seems to be like the main character in these videos and uh, Scott uh, Fovel of the Fovel group which is another um, Democracy Partners is the name of that one and it's another one of these it's not a pack is it it's I think they're organizations that are uh, uh, contracted by the packs to undertake certain work to increase the vote but um there's well, been things discussed on he, camera like a, a term called bird dogging which i'd never heard before which is basically getting in the face of um in this context trump supporters and instigating uh some sort of confrontation so that they can record it and then kind of give it to the media and hold it up as a big uh example of yeah what big douchebags all the trump supporters are yeah, no, so this is this is one of those other things where, like, if you've really gotten into politics in America and how campaigns are, are 
prosecuted or, or whatever verb you want to use, like mm. conducted. None of this shit is a surprise at all, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, like James O'Keefe comes out, it's like, I've got this, you know, exclusive, this democratic operative is saying, like, I would, you know, I, I would kill a thousand people in this town and then replace them with robots or something. And like, and, and you, it does not take a lot of effort to get people on campaigns to say this kind of shit. I mean, it's, it's basically like being in grad school for history or politics or something. You know, eventually you just, you study the same things over and over. You're, you're going over the same material and you just start, uh, you know, the term for, for people who want to, you know, change the outcomes of, uh, 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 of like, wrestling matches like wrestlemania is, is fantasy booking right you you pick your right. you book your your favorite leader and your favorite opponent and then you you know you, you you book your your favorite shenanigans off screen and so it's not hard to get these guys to go listen here's how i would suppress all the white voters in this county because it's a thought exercise because they know what the tools are they, they, well, they've used that, these tools to a certain extent and and, yeah. and you know, so it's just like, well, fuck it. I mean, this is this is fun. Like, it's a thought exercise. Let's let's screw around. They're never going to do it because that would be, like, I well, mean, hold on. Let me let me let me change tack for a second. Sure. Do you think it's a big deal for um, the campaigns to coordinate with the PACs because that's illegal? Do you think it's actually a big deal? Oh no, it's it's a huge deal and it's it's disgusting and and literally everybody does it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hillary uh, Clinton's pack. She's got uh, David Brock who, who owns media matters and runs media matters is, is handling one of her packs and, and they have like uh, my friend Libby Watson uh, at the sunshine. I think it's sunshine foundation uh, did a really, really excellent article. Just Google Libby Watson. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And, and Clinton and Brock and Pack or something like that, uh, of how like they have skirted up so far to uh, the letter of the law and completely devoured the intent of like, well, I'm yeah. not coordinating with you on this thing. I am having lunch with you every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. like, and we we've come up with a plan for solvency for my business, but I'm not coordinating with you. Like, the, the Clinton campaign has been really the most disgusting in this regard, especially because uh, of, of Clinton's campaigning against Citizens United and dark money. They, they profited enormously from it. Uh, you know, like, and I get it. Like, you're going to be disingenuous. You're going to say this is bad and then take it because your opponent is going to. But, but yeah. they really did this, actually push the envelope on this one. To shine up my Bernie bro badge uh, once again in this podcast series, that was like the big startling thing about Bernie, that he was going hey, super PACs are terrible, therefore I'm not going to use it. Whereas the Clinton philosophy has been more, hey, super PACs are terrible and we should ban them. They exist right now and they're legal and I want to do everything I can to change the law once I'm in power, but they're there. So they're a tool that I should use for the moment because I need to. And hey, she did become the candidate. So <laughs> maybe yeah. that's got something to do with it. Um, let's take a quick breather while Jeb recovers. Sorry. And, uh, 
Uh, no, I, I fucking loved getting all that context actually about who James O'Keefe is and, and his history. Fuck that dude. Um, Fuck him. I'm gonna I'm gonna look more into his background in exchange, Jeb. I want you to make me a promise to watch one more of those videos. All right. Well, They're 15 minutes long. You can do it. Um, after the break, we're going to be talking about all this FBI stuff that's going on at the moment. Um, but I, I don't know where this email, where these emails came from. What apparently I, Anthony I Weiner. Well, oh God, oh. Anthony Weiner. Um, I should not comment on Anthony Weiner. I'm not a big fan, and I wasn't before he got in trouble, so I shouldn't comment on Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to Politics, the podcast that answers the question, what happens if you get someone who doesn't know that much about American politics who lives in New Zealand and pair it up with someone who's been writing about politics for years? Uh, I'm Tim. He's Jeb. I, I've not slept, and I, I'm going to admit right now I'm, I'm on some drugs. Uh, uh, so, like, if you get lost at some point in this podcast, I guarantee you it's my fault. Oh, that's very sweet. I'm, going to, um, I'm not going to correct that at all. I'm going to heap that on. If I lead people astray, it's all Jeb's fault. Um, I did speaking it. of leading people astray, there has been a lot of coverage in the last few hours, and it's almost we're getting so microscopic now, down to the wire. Uh, what is it? Nine days now before election day, that we're measuring units of time in the election by three-hour blocks. It seems about the response to James Comey, the director of the FBI, coming out uh, in the last 56 hours with a letter to Congress uh, announcing that some materials have been found through the course of an investigation into Anthony Weiner um, for uh, suspected sending a sexually explicit text to a 14-year-old girl from North Carolina, if I remember the reporting right. I think she was um, 15, but not that it really matters. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, hey, it's important to be accurate. Um, so during the course of that FBI investigation, a device has been sequestered by them and some new emails have been found that, after the fact, it turns out probably weren't sent to or from Clinton, but are somehow pertinent to the the investigation of Hillary Clinton's private email server. Um, and Comey thought that this was relevant enough to send this public declaration that they would be he didn't use the word reopening the case apparently that was um jason chaffetz said that himself who's the republican leader of the senate committee uh, what is it what is he in charge of no he's in, i don't know he look he looks like booger from revenge of the nerds fuck him <laughs> house oversight committee i think I think I've got that right. So um, anyway, he, no, he's in the Senate that was now. his language. He wasn't. He wasn't the House. I can't remember oh. what committee he was on, but he's in the Senate. Shit. Now. He's he's got some position that has allowed him to make some threats that if Hillary Clinton gets in now, she's going to be under constant investigation, which uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to. But at any rate, just yeah, to no, start eight more years, start. Of, like at least four more years of gridlock. I, you know, what I love about yeah. government is its capacity to never do a fucking thing. That's that's why I vote yeah. for people. I want them to get in there and stare each other down. And and say, how can we not help anyone around us? Because we want to be... the fucking thing, eh? We never want to be accountable for anything. Like, how, how, how can you and I have this binary opposition where, like, you go right and then, you know, I go right and we just keep staring each other down and you go left and I go left. And, and, and you know, at the end of four years, everybody is still fucked, but we get reelected. You know what's screwed as well is, like, from a slightly more globally 
uh, facing point of view. America is the leader of the free world still. You're this big, huge, giant economy. You're the world's biggest democracy. You've got more diplomatic power than anyone else on earth. And there are two problems that we're all facing, particularly in the developed West. Um, The first one is climate change. The second one is the robots are taking all of our jobs that we've formed under the current economy and it's totally changing the landscape of how the not too, not at all too distant future is going to look for regular people and what it means to have a technological divide, what it means to have a college degree and the massive divide between those who are educated and those who aren't um, getting into to trades and jobs because they're going to be taken away by automated machines and software and AI and what that's going to look like. And these are like two separate very fucking big problems potentially the first one climate change is definitely a problem the second one could be an opportunity if um, the politicians could get together and maybe figure figure something out but the, the constant political gridlock that happens in America and has been happening um, with this Republican led house that just by virtue of it being Obama it doesn't matter what the idea is they will block it by default every single time it's just like the clock is running no, out. It, it actually, they keep passing just, these yearly budgets. There's no vision for like a long-term idea of what the economy could look like or how to help people. It's fucking frustrating to watch, man. No, and like I, I wanted Obama to just submit a bill to Congress with a name like "Pussy is Great," you know, like the "Pussy is Great" bill, and just watch like the Republicans go, "No, no, nobody likes it." No, you know, just. Just some something like so fucking obvious, like hot dogs are great, you know, or like baseball is oh, fun, I don't know. and just watch them so, so obstruct they, it. Uh, but for for example, Jeb, the Patriot Act, something like that kind of a name. Yeah, but like you know, not evil. <laughs> just about food or something. <laughs> well, it's only evil because of like what we know the act is now, but it's the it's the same principle. It's just it's so frustrating to watch, man. And this does give a little bit of hope to the kind of. The cynicism and um, what's the word? It's not disappointment. The I don't Despair. know. Whatever the word is, the way that people feel about Hillary Clinton, right, is that mm-hmm. she's this duplicitous agent of pure politics. But in the current environment, maybe you guys are getting exactly the president you need. Because could anyone else? crawl through the weeds and make these backroom cigar deals and try and figure this shit out with people using whatever methods are necessary and it might take some really rolling up of the sleeves and some weird dark house of cards bullshit to get stuff moving forward but I can't think of anyone more qualified to do it I think Bernie Sanders probably would have been hamstrung by his own morality and and ethics in in his job and um Obama's done a done a, a pretty fantastic job, but it feels like it's just getting more and more uh, divisive as time's going on. Man, there's like so many points to address. Like, first of all, it's divisive. Don't oh, don't sorry. don't 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 like drink the Obama Kool Aid. I don't know why it became divisive in like the last <laughs> eight years. Like, divide divisive. Like, it's a long eye. Like, don't overthink it. Um, but like no, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think Sanders probably would have had a lost year. He would probably would have come in with uh, a lot of naivete in the same way that Obama did, where he really felt like he could yeah. create uh, compromises and consensus on Capitol Hill, and then eventually had to realize like he was just going to be obstructed no matter what. I think that would yeah. have happened to Sanders. I think he probably would have come in. He has a record of, of I think 
passing the of of the current members of Congress. I think he has the uh, the record for most amendments to bills passed. Yeah. So he does yeah. a really good job of like you know negotiating bills, you know, or, or negotiating provisions that help his constituents or help Amer- you know the American people in general into these mm-hmm. existing bills and, and bargaining. I think he probably would have come in and, and thought like. Well, I can I can really do something here, and then just hit a fucking wall. Uh, and, and like I agree, like Clinton probably should come in and, and just be, you know, the, the the master Machiavelli. But the thing you you've forgotten is that the Clintons just have this preternatural capacity to fuck up all the time. Like they, <laughs> you know, their yeah. their their aides talk too much. Uh, they they you know they they give away strategy to the wrong person who then fights against them. Uh, it, it's this awful soap opera and it, it has been forever and, and this the whole thing with the clinton foundation and and hillary clinton this this campaign like anybody anybody with two brain cells to rub together could have said two years ago you need to divest yourself completely from this yeah with yeah. all responsibility all capacity to to make decisions all finances just done you no longer you are fucking dead to that thing and they didn't because they're idiots, and they will fuck up over and over. And we're just going to watch four years of, like, it's going to be like an Armando Iannucci sitcom, only you're not going to like anybody, and it's not going to be funny. Well, that's fucking bleak, man. I was trying to offer some sort of optimistic, positive view of what could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I the, just... question become, the question becomes... <laughs> the question becomes, who could do a better job, though? You know? With the conditions that are currently in place, obviously... The, this woman is one half of a political power couple that have a propensity to put their foot in it over and over again. But they do get shit done. And who who else would be better suited to do it in this current environment? If, if, no Obama, can, I can see. if Obama can have a third term, I, I think he would be perfect because he figured out yeah. the judo, right? He lets the, the, the far right and and like the really you know, like the conservative the Tea Party caucus or whatever run at him. And then he steps aside and just sort of pushes them and then watches them face plant 20 feet away and skid across the ground and look like just miserable, incompetent assholes. But it took him a long time to realize he just had to be that kind of heartless motherfucker. But once yeah. he did, he was really good at it. And like I, I, I'm, I will fully admit, I completely misread his nominating Merrick Garland. But uh, to Supreme Court, to the Supreme Court. How but, so? How, what did you think he was doing by that, and how how did how did that change in your head? I, I felt like he was going back to the well that he had when he first came into office, where he was trying to find this bipartisan compromise. He didn't he didn't nominate uh, the most reasonable liberal candidate he could to the Supreme Court. He didn't nominate one of the younger liberal candidates. He he picked an older, more middle of the road guy. And I just thought, mm-hmm. like, you, you, you fuckhead, right? You're, you're, you're compromising with people who are never going to meet you, you know? Because that was, that happened, you know, in the early days of the Obama administration. They, they would sort of get to the bargaining table and show up and say, I'm already meeting you halfway. And then Republicans would say, well, we're running 20 feet away from the, the, uh, the table backward. And yeah, so now yeah. you have to meet us halfway here. Uh, and, and so it felt like that. And then, and then the Republicans just... You know, they, they walked right into it. They refused to confirm him. They wouldn't even talk to the guy in most cases. They just and said, so like, your well, calculation, you, you think that Obama had all of that played out, that chess move, you know, the four chess moves in advance? Yeah, I feel like that was the one of his judo things. Like, he was going to give somebody who, like, you could just, you know, you could confirm him almost sight unseen. 
Mm. And he would be, you know, like a safely middle of the road uh, uh, jurist. And then they said, absolutely not. We're going to break the fucking Supreme Court. We're, we're just going to have eight justices. We're just not going to fill this empty space. Because this guy was nominated by Barack Obama and, you know, we can't trust him. He's out of control. And you can totally trust the guy. I mean, the, the guy is like, you know, he's like a Ralph Lauren manager. You know, he, he's going to give you polos and khakis. He's just completely normal and predictable. There, there are no surprises What's... here. You know, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to get on the Supreme Court and rip his robe off and then have like a Shea Guevara shirt and be like, <laughs> full communism right now, motherfucker. I mean, like, he's completely normal. What's your take on the question of, um, I'm going to say when Hillary Clinton gets in because I've read the polls in the last seven days. Um, when she is inaugurated, will Merrick Garland be uh, still the Supreme Court nomination or do you think that she will use this political capital to get a um, a more liberal justice in? Well, I have no idea. And by the- political capital, by political capital, I don't mean any that she's going to have going into office because obviously there is none um, and she's probably going to be actually deficient, but just through this whole Supreme Court nomination process. Uh, no, you, well, you're right to like mention the, the, the uh, like her not getting shit done because of course, you know, she's a woman and the Republican Party does not like them very much and she's a Democrat and they are, you know, just you know, like a priori traitors. So she's fucked on day one in the same way that Obama's fucked on day one. And like the, the only difference is that he represented a smaller demographic in America. You know, she represents 50% of America and she's fucked. Like this, yeah. is, this is going to be the, the most obdurate, just moronic stalemate, uh, you know, probably in, in, you know, in, in, in well, I mean, easily in American history. I, I don't know of like other historical stalemates, but I, I would argue that this probably belongs, uh, you know, in like a, a top five or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what she's going to do. My my guess, like, were I in her position, you know, just keep, you know, put Merrick Garland up for nomination again and don't expend your political capital on somebody else. You, you've got... Yeah, right. Because you know, the Republicans' argument has been, we're not going to even talk about this person until the presidential election, so the people can have a voice, right? Well, you know, the people had a fucking voice. They elected Barack Obama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so, you know, she undercuts that argument and then just puts him up again. Because if he's good for Obama, he's probably going to be good for Clinton. Uh, and, it, Man, I... and there's not, like, he's not, uh, he's not 20 years old. You know, he's... Yeah, uh, he's not going to be on the, the the court for forty years. So th- there's not a long term liability. He's not a firebrand. He should be, you know, in, entirely within the, the realm of ex- acceptability. And and just say like, hey, listen, you know, you made you made a bet that your guy was going to win. He didn't. I won. Confirm the motherfucker, and then use the political capital for the next one. Yeah, you know, right. and throw all like, the way oh, behind. She'll get. Is, yeah. is it predicted that she'll get two based on the age of the current Supreme Court justices? She could get four uh, with their age. So, uh, you know, she could permanently uh, reshape the court for one to two generations if uh, if the Senate confirmed uh, uh, her nominees. And so the other question is, is it, it, uh, if the Democrats actually win, you know, like a 51 seats in the Senate and they've got just a pure majority, are they just going to cut the shit and go straight to reconciliation? And just start passing stuff without, like, fuck it, no, you know, you can't, 
uh, filibuster. We're just going to do this and we're done, you know, because that was something that the yeah. Republicans did. And the, the Democrats, again, were, you know, they always tie their hands behind their back. Like, you're cheating. I would never cheat. That would be dishonorable. <laughs> and then, you know, they yeah. get their shit stomped. So, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see if, if they just start, like, trying to ram shit through the Senate and then suddenly the Republicans go, oh, well, we actually have to have a, a bipartisan uh, process and comedy here and we have to have input. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath, uh, despite do the fact that I, I'm think... talking way too much and uh, need to breathe <laughs> heavily. Do you think there is any possibility that Barack Obama could wind up a Supreme Court justice? No. No. I mean, it, it would be he fun. Want it? No. I mean, like it would be fun. Like you know, we, we'd have another another Taft, right? Um, <laughs> but like he's just so toxically. A black man and a Democrat, they're never going to confirm him. Uh, especially American? If, well, they spent eight Even, years. Like with the changing demographics in America at the moment, like I'm not talking about this would be her first appointment, but maybe let's, let's predict somehow that Hillary Clinton gets um, a second term. And so we're talking about in like six years time from now. Mm-hmm. You don't see that as a possibility? I don't. Well, for one thing, he, his, his big goal, uh, along with uh, Eric Holder, is, is to... Uh, go ahead and flip the map in uh, state races around the country where, uh, right. because we're coming up in 2020 when d- there will be another census and another ability, another opportunity rather to, to redraw all the congressional districts, which now, I mean, like the, it, we, we mentioned this, I think last episode, but uh, the Democrats got millions more votes in 2014 than the Republicans and yet like lost seats across the board. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, gerrymandering these districts does that, where you have all these safe Republican seats, and so these people are in charge of the budget. They're almost impossible to dislodge. So uh, Obama and Holder are trying to make these things competitive on the state level, so states can redraw uh, uh, district boundaries. So you, you can either take control of state houses, or you can can uh, take control of the governor's office or the attorney general. And depending on the state, you will have mechanisms to influence uh, fairer boundaries. In, in districts. That will make it more politically agnostic in terms of where the boundaries lie. Yeah, I mean, theoretically more well, I mean, like, the whole country. The classic example is that Eric Cantor, who is the number three Republican in Congress, was primaried by some like Ayn Rand teaching moron, right? And yeah, yeah. Because he was hard on immigration and he depicted Eric Cantor as a squish. And Eric Cantor is not a squish. Eric Cantor is, you know, uh, he, Eric Cantor is fucking terrifying. <laughs> and, yeah, and this guy was like, "Well, he's not terrifying enough," and won. And and so you know, the Republicans have their own uh, like district pressures, right? But they have been engineered by making these these districts where uh, Democratic and, and independent voters are immaterial. So what you do is you radicalize the people who come out of these districts because the only way to win is to win the primary. The general election is an afterthought. So you win the primary by going harder and harder right. And so that's what did in Eric Cantor. So, I, I, you know, Obama and Holder's idea is to, to roll this back and make these more bipartisan districts where, yeah, you might be a Republican and you might win, but you've got to represent 49% of the districts who are Democrats and who care about certain things. So, you know, it, 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 it's a way of like re-adding moderation and, and bipartisan cooperation uh, or like re-injecting it in, in, into Congress in a way that we haven't seen for over a decade. But... 
Eric Holder is not going to do that shit on his own. The man is, is nice, but he looks like a Muppet. He's got no charisma. Obama's got to do this. He's the one who's got to go and, he and stump. He doesn't have and, charisma, right. Eric Holder, and he probably shouldn't because Attorney General is a position of great esteem where I kind of want a dude who looks a bit like a robot that you can just kind of project an absolute neutrality onto. But God damn it. It would, it would have been nice to um, have someone who could crack a smile, if not a joke, every once in a while. He, he did actually when he was uh, being questioned by, I think it was over Fast and Furious when he was uh, going before a, a house panel of, you know, the usual idiots. And he, he, yep. he, he smirked and, and had a good time. But for the most part, yeah, he's, he's not a charismatic dude. So Obama's going to have to do the legwork. There's no way he can do that if he's sitting in the Supreme Court. This seems like what he really wants to do. Uh, and really, I, I don't think there's any way he would get confirmed. Uh, he has unforgivable blackness and he has unforgivable... Liberalness, uh, and and, uh, and, 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 and yeah. again, like you know, th- these guys have spent eight years claiming that he was going to usher in you know a fascist dystopia. You know, the, uh, mm. his, his border patrol policy was letting immigrants in, and and he was going to seize all your guns, and and he was going to come and, and it just make you gay kiss somebody or something. You know, like just <laughs> so and turn no, Muslim as well. So they, they painted themselves into a corner. There's even if they wanted to confirm him, they can't because well, look what they said for almost a decade. So you know, are, are they lying or was you know like you know? Well, it certainly hasn't affected his poll numbers. Like this is the interesting thing and why the argument of saying that President Obama didn't have uh, the, the the right to be able to uh, determine who the new Supreme Court justice would be that doesn't. That's not an argument that holds water in the worst of times, but his approval numbers are so fucking stratospheric sky high. They're like the highest they've ever been. Yeah, no, he's beating out Reagan, I think, at this point in his term. That is nuts. It's crazy. Um, Okay, well, Jeb, let's wrap it up. Do you have any final uh, shouty man thoughts that you want to put out there into the world i've really enjoyed this by the way i feel like we have tapped into a small piece of your reptilian brain uh via the political neurocortex and it has it's made for a a really fascinating time it's it's the part of my brain that my grandmother where she's still alive would be uncomfortable listening to because there was a lot of swearing and and negativity and aggression Um, i've learned a lot and i've enjoyed it and i also spoke too fast um no, so so this this thing with the, the the FBI, like the James Comey thing. What's interesting to me, and and I don't know if you saw this, but you know he released a statement saying like, well, we're you know this is part of an ongoing investigation. We've discovered this other batch of emails or whatever, and then he sends this this mass like, you know, group emails to the FBI saying, well, I I may have put my foot in it. My intent was to do this, and I'm not sure. Blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it seemed like... Oh, shit, I haven't seen that second bit. So what was that? Sorry, was that a statement that he released? Yeah, he, he was he was saying, like, well, I, I wanted to sort of... You can you can see what he what he's arguing is, like, I wanted to thread the needle. You know, I wanted to be... Right. Uh, I, I wanted to inform the American public without being... Uh, uh, Politicized. Yeah I, yeah, I don't want to damage the election by, by you know, sort of queering yeah. the purity of the turf, as, as we might say in horse racing. So... Um, the thing is, like, he sends this this memo, and, and like, he fucked it up. Like, he fucked it up completely because it, yeah, he did. They, they have these emails, and and people are going through, like, uh, you know, New York Times, Washington Post. They're searching every to and from field, and Hillary Clinton is not in them. Mm. She's not, you know, like, if you, you're going to, like, if this is germane to Hillary Clinton, which is what he 
indicated uh, at the start, maybe she he, should he have gotten. That is, yeah, that she should have that. gotten the fucking email, or she should have written the fucking email. But if she didn't do either, you fucked up. Like, and and so the initial sort of attitude I had was, okay, man, this guy is just scared to death, right? This is such a politicized environment. Yeah, he, he's just going to over-disclose things because he doesn't want to be caught, uh, uh, you know, like. Or, or be suspected of concealing something. And then, you know, he releases this with that statement, and the statement is not commensurate with the content of the emails at all. And in what I thought was incompetence now seems like evil. Like, he really does not like Hillary Clinton, or he's trying to right. in- influence the election, because that is, that is a colossal systemic level of fucking up. Well, it's it, just, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a communication disorder on the highest level and it's a good thing that the opponent is trump because if it wasn't like this really could have changed shit in a big big way no absolutely this this should be an october surprise except for everything around it that undermined it there's actually a good piece that's just come out from matthew miller in the washington post um where he basically posits that james comey shouldn't be running the fbi anymore off the back of this like this is prime evidence to suggest that the dude is not actually fit to hold that title anymore um so let's watch how that spins in the next few units of three hours at a time oh, I, I just, one other thing i want yes. to add is it, what's Please. really funny to me is like watching all these liberals going oh james comey has besmirched the name of the fbi like the fbi was a racist like <laughs> you know, red baiting and, and hunting and, and infiltrating and just fucking foul organization for most of its existence like, yeah, you could, don't even have to go that far back in the history of the FBI to realize that it's not exactly squeaky clean. Yeah, I mean, it, like, it, it's like this dude made a really bad fajita, and you're like, this is disrespectful to the le- the legacy of chilies. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck, like, who's going to notice? I mean, it just blends into the, like, just this endless sort of timeline of atrocity and stupidity. Fine. Like, I mean, if, if anything, the dude was being on brand for the FBI. Like, l- let him go. Your fajita metaphor is the strangest grab I have heard your mind attempt in this podcast yet. Um, fantastic. And what a way to end. Let's leave it there, Jeb. You okay. go have a lie down. <laughs> um, I'm going to go enjoy the fantastic sights here in Anaheim, California. Uh, all of you, we look, we'll try our best to get more episodes out as quickly as we can. Um, it's difficult. I'm flying back to New Zealand soon. Uh, but we'll do our best. That's all you need to know. And we hope that you're well out there. And just be kind to people, eh? Be yeah. nice to one another. If you Tim. see a plane crash, go and see that everyone's okay. If there's a car on the side of the road, bring some water, try and help them out. Tim, before you go, let, let me ask you, have you been, like, I, I know you're in uh, Anaheim, Los Angeles. There's a really great restaurant there. I don't know if you've been there. It's called Del Taco. Del Taco. Oh, no. I've not, <laughs> I've not been to the wonderful Del Taco, the five-star Del Taco yet. Listen, um, there's so know, many great places like In-N-Out and Five Guys and... Just you Del know, tacos lower down on the list. Just, just you know, like if you can't get to Sparrow, you know, just check it out. Okay, man, you have my word on that. <laughs> I will go to a Del Taco before I fly out of here. I'll do it. Okay, I apologize, everybody. Thank you for bearing with me. The director himself has said he doesn't know whether the emails referenced in his letter are significant or not. I'm confident whatever they are will not change the conclusion reached in July. Therefore, it's imperative that the Bureau explain this issue 
in question, whatever it is, without any delay. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 